think she's full of it. I wasn't it's not, like, not like me. Wasn't like too like eh, about it. I mean, I, I don't know. There's some weird things, but <laughs> you're scared. Circles. Is this thing on? Is this thing on? Yeah, we're recording. Oh. Did you check the levels? How are the levels? So fine. The levels are good. We are. Mm-hmm. We is. We is this be. microphone close enough to my mouth? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I guess we're good. All right. You know what we should do? What? We should probably try doing a podcast and maybe do a show instead of us just sitting around talking. That's what we are doing, aren't we? I thought that's what we were going to do. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Oh, so we are doing a podcast. Yeah. Episode 98. Episode 98. Who would have funk? Who would have? That's a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of babbling. And it all originated off of pen and paper, oh, so many years ago. So many years ago. We're all, like, oh, much older now. And a kitchen table. We've we're graduated. Still, we're still at kitchen tables. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're going to do the kitchen table tour podcasts. What podcast is this again? This is the San Pedro Hauntings of one Miss Jackie Hernandez on Parababble. Parababble, its own network. That's going to go for Parababble Network. Yeah, why not, right? Parababble Zero. I think if you just make a business card, it's legit. We could all have our own show then. We could all do Just record solo. Right. Let's do that. I I would be lonely. Mine would just be silence for 60 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So, Rob. Jeff would just interview himself. (laughs) I'd be third person, thank you. So, Jeff, what do you think about that? Well, Jeff, let me tell you. This was awesome. Check out what I found out. It's the Jeff and Jeff show. (laughs) The G&J show featuring Jeff. Tonight's guest, Jeff. Jeff. (laughs) All right, so San Pedro haunting. Whose idea was this? Mine. He's a silent guy. How did you even find out about this? I stumbled across it. Literally, you just stumbled across it? I stumbled across weird things. I was going to say, what what were you researching to begin with that you stumbled across the San Pedro haunting? I don't know, weird shit. It was kind of like when you used to take your phone and go restaurants near me and you Mm -hmm. just flip it up and it spins (laughs) and then it lands on three of them. I think that's what he said. I was looking for something spooky. And you thought this was it? I heard, yeah. I heard You heard spooky things about it. Yeah. It was okay. But the thing is that I thought of is I had known that there was some kind of evidence and that's the thing that we always bitch about on here we're like well where's your damn camera and these people actually had a camera oh yeah they did yeah yeah and that's what that's what you want so why isn't this that much more believable if we have it on film well or audio and to add to that how come you have to stumble across this and it's not like one of the major exactly hauntings of all times hmm but we'll believe bullshit about Amityville Horror with no, no right. nothing. Right. And that's a load of crap, though. They even but said it's a load of crap. Yeah. They even But that's what I'm getting at. I mean, you hear you have, I've never even heard of this, and now, you know, they maybe, have all this evidence. Maybe it's because Amityville was a movie that blew it up. So, Sam, San Pedro... Say if someone took this story and made it into a movie that was successful, could be the same thing. Could be. But uh, also... Some of these cases that are really uh, 
well, in this case, heavy duty, and they do have the evidence. There's a lot of cases that just kind of sit underground with it and they never come up. And I don't understand why. And I think it might be a popularity contest, in a sense. Whatever gets popular, you you find out about. Your Amityville, your Poltergeist, uh, the Exorcist. I mean, no, I'm using that loosely because people go to it and all of a sudden it gives it life, gives it energy. But then you have like, you know, this lady and her two kids and there's all kinds of actual evidence and like you said, it's buried like 14 liners down somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, what's this? Well, that's what I mean. We've done shows on poltergeist before. Right. And, and all the research for poltergeist, I never once saw anything about the San Pedro haunting. I mean, we've done shows on demons. And never once has this come up as, you know, a story. So it's really interesting. And I guess it was mm-hmm. big like in the 80s, but... Mm-hmm. But then it lost its legs somehow. Well, it okay. never got to that superstar... Not that you want it that way, but your superstardom in the sense of it seeing is, it. It is strange that it didn't, to me. You know, because you look at all the other ones that have. Or did people just take it and say, oh, there's your evidence. Okay, whatever. They they faked it. Well, because Taff was involved in this, but he was yeah. also involved with some other really big cases. And that's where I was going to go with that. Dr. Barry Taff was, he's the heavy hitter. Mm-hmm. With parapsychology. He comes in, if you got him in there, you know there's there's something cooking so, whether this story be true, faked, or just false. What other cases was he involved with? He was involved... Um, so, the entity case, right? The entity, which almost seems like this is part of the... Like, it could be part of the entity, because it was attached to that lady. Mm-hmm. I know, there's a lot of similarities between this yeah, and some it's of Yeah, like, it's cases. a personalized demon experience where they're attaching to you and they're affecting your daily life it's just not like a bang or a thud in the house and you're like oh it's haunted and following you to and, multiple locations and when you move yeah and as i didn't as, see anything about that oh you didn't see anything about that what? no yeah she moved and it followed her several times yeah because it was getting too bad at the house yeah i know she moved she but, reconciled huh. with her husband moved back in with him and then they that relationship didn't work out. He moved out and left her alone again. It started all over again. I think it was in Kentucky she went to, wasn't it? Kansas or Kentucky? Uh, yeah, Kentucky. So the lady we're talking about is Jackie Hernandez. She, um, At the time this case was happening, it was out in California. She had a two-year-old son, and she was also pregnant at the time, and their marriage split up from her, her and her husband, right? Yeah. It's the 1980s. 1980s. Good um, life. <laughs> she she uh, said, uh, well, she had a lot of hauntings going on. Maybe we should go that route first. A lot well, how of did it How did it start? Let's put it that way. Um, do you want to call her a ghost magnet? Well, she starts hearing things infrequently, right? She's yeah. hearing like voices, bangs, people Little walking normal around. Stuff. The house is settling. Yep. And then that turns into things moving in the house. Mm-hmm. Presence is being felt. And then I think the first instance that I saw where she called somebody in is when she got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and she saw the old man. At the end of the hallway. Yep. So, so far we're all on the same page with research, right? Yes. That's like the first major incident. I think at the end we diverge because it sounds like you guys focused on her and I just focused on the location. Gotcha. Which also had, ex- had people experiencing things after she moved out. Right. Yeah. Supposedly. Once other people came in there, they were still hearing thuds and bangs and stuff. Um, 
<clears throat> whether they moved out or what they did, obviously they probably did because, you know, the, it's just the nature of the beast when it comes to houses or apartments or whatever, how you want to look at it. So she gets up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. She goes down the hall, and at the end of the hall, she sees this old, wrinkly man standing there. Mm-hmm. She freaks out. She tells her neighbor. So then her neighbor comes over and is talking to her, and then more stuff starts to happen, and now the neighbor is seeing it. Right? Yes. So the neighbor's neighbor's actually the one that made the phone call. Yep. Not even Jackie. Nope. Okay. And that too, that account right there, okay, so now I'm thinking maybe there is something going on because she's not even the one reaching out. And there's an independent person now witnessing some of these things. It's just not a made-up story. Right. So she calls Dr. Taff. Dr. Taff. Dr. Taff. I need the Ghostbusters. (laughs) Do you think that's how it went? How do you just reach out to somebody, a parapsychologist? Is he just listed in the yellow pages? I don't know. Hang on. I found, I found the incident that led her to, to call him. Where is it here? Dr. Barrett. She said she found it was the. She was doing dishes. And there was blood in the sink and running down from the cabinets and the walls and all that. Yes, that they was, were oozing. Was, yeah. Because <clears throat> there was a babysitter over also, the neighbor. Yeah. And they were all sitting around after eating or whatever, and they started cleaning up the kitchen. And that's when they saw, like, the oozies and all that. and The balls of light. The balls of light. So it wasn't just contained to her and her neighbor, now the babysitter. And the babysitter became very vocal along mm-hmm. in this, this storyline. She was like, no, this stuff is happening. Um that's when they heard that thud upstairs, right? The big thud when they're in the kitchen cleaning. They went upstairs into the attic. Nope, I jumped ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. Nope. I know where I'm at, but I jumped ahead. The Ghostbusters went into the attic. They didn't actually go into the attic. So she calls right. Dr. Barry Taff, and they're like, we got ghosts. We, we need Ghostbusters. So he gets his crack team together. Crack right? team, yep. Three guys. Mm-hmm. And... He doesn't even go. I think he just sends the team there. Right. Because I didn't even see anything that he was ever at the location. No, the stories were just reported from... Yeah, he sent like a videographer and a photographer. Mm-hmm. So there's three of them. Mm-hmm. And different things started to happen to these guys while they were there. Yeah. So that's when everything starts to really let loose. Like, um, there's the case where one of the uh, guys who was filming was in the attic. Well, this is where the kitchen is. So the kitchen, they started hearing loud thuds. So they boot upstairs. And they go in looking around. And then they start to document up there. And there's the two of them are up there. And one of them was watching the other one, just keeping an eye on up there. And he was slowly starting to get strangled by some cloth that was up so there. So there was something that happened before that, though. Okay. So... The incident that happened before that was, and it made me actually think of you when I was reading this whole thing and watching some of the documentary stuff that I did, because it's something I've seen you do. So he was up in the attic, and he was taking pictures over his shoulder. And I've seen you do that. I've seen Rob do that, too. Like, Mm -hmm. you're just standing there, you just take the camera and take a picture over your shoulder, because he was feeling like there was something there. And he took one, he took another one, and when he went to take the third one, something ripped the camera out of his hand. So okay. he freaked out, and he was like, what the heck? And he turns around, he's trying to find the camera, and the camera was in two pieces. So the lens was off and in a box on one side of the attic, mm-hmm. and the rest of the camera was off in the other side of the attic. 
and they didn't know what happened. So they come down, and as they're telling everybody what's going on, they started hearing thumps from upstairs. They actually got recordings of the thumps and the noises. They started seeing lights up in the attic, all these, like, blinking lights going on and off. So that was, like, the first instances of, like, something seriously, like, physically happening to the investigators. Right. They're now part of this whole experience. So taking a step back from that, thinking about it from a paranormal investigator position that you guys have been in for a number of years, you get called to a family's house. Mm -hmm. And they're like, listen, there's crazy crap going on here. How many times have you gone in with that kind of story going on? A lot. Almost every time. Right. How many times have you walked in and heard anything or seen anything? Never. Exactly. But they all had nice liquor cabinets. No, I mean... Some of them did. Some of them did. (laughs) So I saw that Dr. Taff had said that out of like 3,000 cases that he's investigated, it's like three that have been worth anything. So... That kind of made me feel better because yeah, we haven't investigated 3,000 cases, but it's been But quite the percentages work out pretty much the same. Yeah. You, you really, it's rare that you find something that's just knocking your socks off. Like, Yeah, and this whole case made me initially think of the case where we had where the woman had said the ghost was stealing her pills. Oh, yeah. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yep. Ghost was coming in, stealing her prescription medication. Yep. From her car. When locking it, it in too. her car. Yep. yep. All that crazy stuff. She was pregnant with twins at the time. Remember that? Yep. So, all right. So I think we're all back on the same page now. So now they're like, crap, something really is going on here. So what happens next in the timeline? They left. That spooked them. And they got the hell out of there. Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so much for the ghost hunters. Yeah. Right. Yeah, They. but they did come back. At some point. Well, she, she called was, them. She called them, like, hysterical, right? right? Yeah. Let's see what, what happened that triggered that. Let's and they see. were like, we're going to come and get you. We're going to come and get you. But then when they came, they didn't get her out of the house. They started investigating yeah, again. they went. Right. They went right back into yeah. What happened was uh, she went into the attic because she, well, first she took a nap and, or she was just resting her eyes or something. And she had a feeling that something was holding her down and preventing her from breathing. And when she opened her eyes, she saw the old man there. That apparition, whatever. So then it was like a breaking point for her, and she went into the attic with a baseball bat because, you know, kind of beat the ghost to death. Yeah, why not? Uh, so this is. she said that this was the first time she ever actually went in the attic herself, and she, like, challenged what was ever there. And so the, that old man apparition appeared again. She fell out of the attic, and the door slammed shut on her. So that's when she called the investigators again all frantic and... Ask him to come over to get her out of there. So they had her recorded message. They had her whole phone call. Yep. Of her, like, panicking and freaking out and them going, all right, we're going to come and get you. We're going to come and get you. But no. they get there and then they're like, yeah, let's just hang out for a little while, see what's going on. I'd want to go in if someone said that just happened. <laughs> Absolutely. I would. Right? But that's us. Right. We're not normal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we are. For the field, we're normal. Yeah. Well, every every just, investigator wants to go into something like that because that's all we search for. We would just send Jeff up to the attic. Mm, um, I'd go. Guess I'm the Aaron of the show. <laughs> I don't understand that reference. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ghost show out there with three guys, four guys. And they always send the one guy into the spot that no one wants to go to. Mm. So they always send Aaron. 
Yeah. Okay. Because Zach won't do it. Oh, there it is. But somewhere, okay. So somewhere in that timeline, she started having um, nightmares, real nightmares. And that's when she started to see the vision of the young man that was was being beat up and he ended up drowning in the the harbor. Uh Uh-huh. Nope. Wow. They found that out. They found that information out from a Ouija board. So it wasn't the dream she was having. They didn't get it from the dreams. It was a Ouija board. Okay, so there's conflicting reports here. Well, big surprise there. Wow. What did you have for your research about how they found out who the guy was? I didn't. Okay. So there's no guy in your story. Well, there's an there's an old guy. No young kid. No young kid. That looked like he was kind of. You missed the Ouija board session where. They did the seance. Where Jeff. Wheatcraft got thrown against the wall when they were in the process of communicating with said person. Okay. So let's, but let's, we're way ahead of ourselves again. So they come over, they say they're going to take her out of the house. They don't. And and she's not pregnant anymore. She's had the baby. Mm-hmm. So now there's like a baby baby and a two-year-old in the house. Mm-hmm. And it's just her with her two kids. So they come over and she's thinking they're going to get her out of the house and she's not going to have to stay here anymore because she can't deal with it and it's so bad and all these things are happening. And in the meantime, like the first time, I don't know if it was the first time or second time they were there, but they collected a sample of the ooze and supposedly sent it off to a lab. And the lab says that it was plasma from human blood. But is... nobody could actually find any right. of the sample or that is just kind of what they say happened. So they come back. And now this is where your story kicks in, Jeff. So they go back up to yes. the attic. Mm-hmm. And then they have the seance up there. Mm-mm. Oh. No. Tell us how it happens. I mean, this is the part where he gets hung. Oh, so he sees the, sees the cloth going around his neck. It's a piece of clothesline. Boy, we... <laughs> so he's up there. It's damn Los Angeles Times. Yeah, no, you got to watch the documentary. Yeah. Oh, so, we, I didn't... Oh. There, there's a whole documentary. With the actual people that were there. So he says that he goes up and he's with another guy and they're Mm -hmm. in the attic. And he basically blacks out. He doesn't know what happened. He comes back to and his neck is got this piece of clothesline wrapped around it. And it's wrapped around a nail in the attic. Okay. And it's choking him and something's pulling on his leg. So he starts yelling. And the other guy, yeah... Rob's oh, shown you the pictures of it. Yep. If you so, Google San Pedro haunting evidence, they'll all show up. The other guy comes tonight. over and he's trying to get it off of him and he can't untie the knot. And he can't get the guy off. And the only way he could actually do it is by bending the nail itself so that the piece of uh. clothesline comes off of it. So he gets him downstairs into the kitchen. They show you he's got ligature marks around his neck from where this was. They make a point to tell you that they had been up in the attic previously and looked for anything that could have been up there. And they only found two things, which was very odd. They found seashells, and they found a horseshoe. And when they mentioned the horseshoe, it made me think of Hinsdale. Remember the horseshoes? Yep. And how we had, like, moved the horseshoes, and then we came back, and they were crossed over each other. So Mm. I felt like that was a really weird thing. Like a weird, like, why just a horseshoe? Like, the seashells make sense after you figure out more of the story. So, after that happens, they're like, yeah, this is bad. You can't stay here. But she does still. 
Because, you know, that's what you do. But I don't think they went back again. So they were done? I think that she moved out before they were ever back there again. Okay. What do you have, Rob? That's where mine ends, because whatever documentary I watched, it wasn't the long one. It sounds like conflicting information. Yeah. Because this says that she moved out right after that incident. Yeah. So she did. She moved to a trailer, and I think we said it was in Kentucky. I think that's what Mm -hmm. the state was. And she tried to reconcile with her husband, Mm -hmm. and that didn't go well. So he ends up leaving again. And pretty much as soon as he leaves, she starts having paranormal experiences at the trailer. And there are two neighbors from the trailer that also bear witness to some of the stuff that she says happened there. So there was a story about moving a pile of wood. by, And then there was like a television that had like the same man. The television was off, up, but his The face old came man up. from the house. That, yep. The old guy. See, I'm starting to think the documentary I watched was full of crap because it said that when she moved out, she never experienced anything paranormal again. Oh, yeah, no. This oh, still had interviews. Followed, yeah, yeah, they followed her around for quite some time, and people verified that it was going on. Hmm. But it wasn't as strong from what I was reading that that, that pole or that magnet for this the spirit or spirits that were coming to her she was getting more in control of the fear factor in her and understanding it a little better. So to her, it wasn't as like when it first happened where it's like, oh my God, what's happening? She got a better grip on it, but it was still kind of hanging around and not really going away. And that's... Yeah. And the investigators started to have stuff happen at their places. Yes. The investigators were having stuff happen to them that, again, and that goes back to what um, uh, Barry Taff was saying. You know, out of all those cases, there's only X amount of cases that had something where it just didn't affect the person who lived in that home. It was affecting everybody that walked in and set foot. And that's where a lot of times as paranormal investigators going into a place, they could have all kinds of claims and we get nothing. But these guys went into this place. She had claims. It's been documented. And stuff started happening to them. So now this story is gaining gaining some wheels of momentum is, okay, whatever this thing is, it's going after people, whoever comes near it and around it, which, you know. So one of the one of the investigators had instances in his apartment of things being moved, things being knocked over, lights turning on and off. There was a there was one point where like a bunch of glass had broken and they took it out. Mm-hmm. Of the apartment, and then when they came back in, there was a shard of glass sticking straight up out of the type- typewriter. There was uh, some issues with scissors. They were, like, finding scissors in different parts of the apartment. So they did, like, a test one night where they put two identical pairs of scissors under pillows. And then they just, like, went about their business. And through the course of the night, like, one of the pairs ended up in the kitchen. One of the pairs was someplace else. And there was all these, like, crazy things happening. So... They were still kind of involved on some level with her. And I don't know exactly the circumstances about this whole seance Ouija board session. But they did this to try to figure out, like, who the person was. Right. So during the course of that, they found out that it was a sailor whose name was Herman Henderson who had died in the 1930s. And he was targeting this Jeff Wheatcraft because he looked like the guy that murdered him. So... They did do some research and they did find an obituary for someone 
with that name and the year was pretty close but it didn't the paper didn't say that it was definitively a murder case he basically drowned because he was hit on the head right so the other interesting thing that i found that i saw about this is that they showed the knot that was around the guy's neck to one of the local fishermen and he said that that was a bowman's knot and that you could only tie that particular knot if you were like a fisherman or spent time on the water and knew how to do that. So, so it's kind of putting some light right. on that. That was really strange too because you know we're always looking for like the coincidences of stuff. Mm-hmm. But supposedly it followed her around until like 2004 and then she stopped having paranormal experiences. So they believed, so who did they believe the old man was? Herman Henderson. He was also, from what I read, they believed he was the homeowner that built that house. I think that I read that he was there because he had died close to there, but the person that had owned the house was who murdered him. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of conflicting reports. Well, and I feel like us, but there always is with this. When we started this whole yeah. thing, I was like, mm-hmm. it's a hoax. Because... <laughs> Well, I feel like as soon as two and two doesn't make four, that it's like a huge red flag. Well, I, I didn't watch the documentary. You guys did, right? I, I watched a documentary. A documentary. Did you watch one? Yeah. Same one? I don't think so. This one was like an hour and a half long. Okay, okay so you no. maybe got the long version. I got the you got short the short one. And I went through and did it all through, you know, newspapers and verification that way. Los Angeles Times, California, da 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 da. And if those documentaries are out there. Why aren't they just wording it the same, like in the stories that we read? Because now now you're really just poking all kinds of holes in something that seems like it could be pretty solid in reality. So the one that I watched was called An Unknown Encounter, A True Account of the San Pedro Haunting. Okay. And it came out in 1997, and it had all the real people in it. Like Jackie is in it. Yeah. The team is in it. Barry Taff is in it. So was the one I watched, but it was like one of those clipped together, clipped together like sci-fi show things. Okay. Yeah, this is just an. I actual... watched it because it was more recent. It was like within the last five, ten years. I want to yeah, say. Yeah, this one was from nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah. And what about the young man? They said it was about twenty-eight years old. Wasn't he one that was like, got hit on the head and then fell in the water, and he drowned there? That was one of the. <clears throat> that was one of the things along the line that led to the the owner or whoever was causing this because well that's who they think herman henderson was they think he was the one that was hit in the head and killed right that they were communicating with and he was supposedly targeting the investigator because the investigator looked like the guy that killed him okay so with with this whole thing you know we're we're, we're taught to like dismantle everything when we go into an investigation um oh and the baby we forgot about that because that happened that same night too go back a little bit on that so the same night that the guy the investigator that um jeff wheatcraft Mm -hmm. was up in the attic after that incident happened he came down one of them and there's like footage of it it's weird one of them was like Oh my God, what's wrong with the baby? And then they pan to the baby and the baby's got like a red mark right on their forehead. Like somebody just mm-hmm. took their thumb and like marked them. And 
you don't know what that mark is, but Jackie actually goes over and she like is wiping it away and it does come off. But Which it, is weird in itself because if you it wipe a like spot, a it's going to get red, right? If you yeah. wipe the same spot, it goes away. It. It's like it was like some kind of red stuff that was like right on the baby's forehead. And we don't know if she was around every time the paranormal investigators were around. I think she was. I think she was there every single because time. Because a lot yeah. of it said that mm-hmm. they were the, um, the old guy or, or the, the homeowner. He was pulling energy from her. Yeah. Well, that was because ex- it was easy. And they did say too that there's footage of like these lights going through her and out of her. Like, did you see the footage of that? I did not. Did you see it, Rob? Not that footage. So it's actually in the documentary. They show you, and it almost looks like so. As a paranormal investigator, you know, like when you're out and you take a picture and you catch like a bug mm-hmm. and the reflection comes off and it looks like an quote unquote orb. Well, these you think would look like that. But the weird thing is, is that you see it fly like into her and then it'll come out somewhere else. So it actually breaks the plane. Comes in yeah, and that, goes out, that. comes in and goes out. So it doesn't pass in front of her, like if it was a bug. Because right. so they do show you some footage later on where supposedly it's the same stuff, but it's outside and it just looks like bugs flying around. But this was in her house while she's like talking to the investigator. And they didn't even notice it at first till they went back and reviewed everything. But there's footage of it, how you can literally see it like come in and then go out and come in and go out. And Taff was saying that it reminded him when he saw it of... The pictures from the entity where there's like the arcs Mm -hmm. and like that sort of like energy and it happened to only be centered around her. Like they didn't see this phenomenon with anybody else. So if it's using her energy, if it's using her energy to go after these other people, then that's that's a pretty intelligent haunt that's happening. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason it's doing it which we truly never really have answers when we come into that light you know why are they doing it what what's what's the what's the point behind all of this i this story you know i can i can see it where it's very believable but as many cases as we've done have we had anything that strange other than i know one occurrence that something moved no actually two occurrences of something that moved on its own but the verification of it is how far can we go and say, oh, it didn't happen. We tested things like, you know, when we were at the downtown at the um, library, when we walked by that book at the end of the night, we were going home and the book was on the shelf, fell as we walked by and got past it. Of course, I had my camera on the whole time and what happened? The battery died at that time. So I never caught that because we were walking and we were kind of spread out. So we went back to that spot, put the book up, and then it had the um, marble floors. So we all started jumping, and we could not get this book to fall. Yeah, we had books happen come off of a shelf at uh, the library in Porter, Porter Ave, too. Remember where we got that EVP that was like, you have no business in being here, yeah. that library? Yeah. Do you remember when we were up on the very first floor, and it was like, it's all windows, yeah. and the bookshelves mm-hmm. were short? We had a book fly off there, and we don't know how that happened. Oh, yeah. I remember that it was like in the kids' section? Yep. I mean, so it's very rare that things like this happen. I think we have that on audio. I think so. Because we had a recorder going at the time. 
but none of us actually saw it happen. We just heard it, and then as we Found were looking around, afterwards. we saw the book. There's also books that came off the shelves at Alden Library, too. So, I mean, you know, okay, that so is sort are... of the same kind of phenomenon. Yes, right. I get what you're saying. You know, but, so, Rob, when you were doing your research about what happened after she moved out, people still had stuff happen there? That's what I've heard in the documentary. They didn't really get into it. They just said that it was kind of vague that, um, because she didn't own the home, she rented it. Right. So, I guess most of the tenants that uh, followed after her didn't last there very long. Most of them were only like a few months. And it goes so, all the way up to So did the energy like now. okay, so did the energy stay there as she left, but she, but when she leaves she has it happening to wherever she's you, going. You so, almost think if it is like the case, maybe she's like the ghost magnet and she brings it out wherever it is, but whatever was at that particular house, obviously like they found ties to it with that Herman guy that drowned. Mm-hmm. And she has things happen to her other places because she just so attracts that kind of she's thing. She's like a human fear cage? Yeah. So it's not necessarily the guy that she might be no. pulling it, like, at, like, like, I don't know, maybe she moves like a half an hour away or two hours away. She's amplifying whatever is yeah. happening there. Wherever she like, walks, it walks into a room, it just fires like, up. We've right. met people like that before. Where they? Ghost magnet. Right. Mm-hmm. So, could it be just as, as simple as that? I mean, it could, but then you're definitely assuming that whatever she had happen was legit. Mm-hmm. That's and, one possibility. I mean, the only thing that really gets me about the case is that, you know, I think a lot of the stuff that they show you could probably be faked. You know, could it be hoaxy? Yeah. But the one thing that I think is really odd is, you know... In order for that to happen where he gets hung up by that piece of clothesline, Mm -hmm. you would have had to, like, plant the clothesline, tied it in that particular way, not had anyone see you go up there and put it there, then get it around yourself, try to choke yourself. Unless they were both in on it and they just brought it with them. I mean, they could have. But, yeah, it's a stretch. But it, it seems like... When you had all this other stuff happening, why would you feel the need to try to fake that? Also, that on the other point, too, if, if they were faking it, like, why just then, if this Barry Taft and his team did over 3,000 investigations, why just fake this one? Oh, yeah, and I forgot, too, because when you heard the part when they were up in the attic the first time with the camera situation, that he was getting pushed by something he couldn't feel, mm-hmm. he, could, he couldn't see, he could feel it, because it was pushing him. But it was like a hand he described as being like trying to push him out of the attic and like down the doorway. Mm-hmm. So. But these investigators too, like. And if that happened, I don't know if I would go back up and see the attic after that. If somebody ripped a camera out of my hands and was trying to push me out of a little tiny f- hole in the ceiling, I don't know if I would go back up there again after that. Physically. So phys- the physicality yeah. of it would stop you, even if you had to go back up there with another team member. Well, I mean, how much are you going to push it, you know? I mean, I heard this guy was extremely skeptical, so... Well, if he's super skeptical, mm-hmm. what's, what's the way to prove it? Wow, have it happen. And why is it always addicts? <laughs> Got to ask the ghost on that one. No basement stories? No, but I mean, even like, if you think about Iron Island, 
Like, that's an attic. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, that's, like, where the guy is, is in the attic. Like, why in the attic? Why do spirits feel like they have to hide out? Maybe to be left alone. But then why stay? Well, we don't have that answer. Where else are they going to go? I don't know. Anywhere else? Anywhere else but here. Mm-hmm. But you got it, like I was saying, with the investigators. They're hearing the thuds. They're hearing the noises. They're seeing the things. So for him to go upstairs and them to try to pull off an elaborate hoax like that, they're seeing all this firsthand before they're even doing anything. So they are part of what's going on, whether they choose to believe it or not, or say they did go in there with that idea, you know what, okay, this is pretty, all right, we'll come back in a little bit and then we'll set something up. But they were also experiencing the stuff just like she was or Barry was or anybody. So it doesn't make any sense to, like you said, yeah. go and try it. Okay, let's go. Let's tie this off and do this. Well, why didn't you call the Warrens if that was really going on and it was so bad? Why didn't you call a priest? Because let's be real. That's like what everybody did. I think they did. I in, didn't see anything about that. In the documentary that. that I watched, they did. Well, what happened was, and again, who knows if what's true or not since we have so much conflicting information. Did here. the priest get scared away? No. So, <laughs> he can't get scared. the part that I heard about is... Uh, Jackie and her neighbor friend there, the one that ultimately ended up calling up Taft, mm-hmm. they were going for a walk one day and they ran into the um, the landlords of the house, the ones that owned the place. And so kind of starting to ask them, you know, if, if anybody, any of the previous tenants had anything happen. And uh, the landlords uh, asked Jackie's permission to send some a priest over to, like, bless the house, check everything out. So she agreed to it. And a couple priests came to check on the house. The priests were judgy towards Jackie. Judgy. Judgy. That's what that's what I put in my notes. Well, yeah, like they she's were very, a single woman with yeah. two kids. Right. And she was pregnant. She didn't have her second kid yet. Oh, so. boy. We frown upon that. Yeah, so they were, like, really judgmental towards her. And they said it was all her fault that everything that was That sounds about right for that time era. But they blamed, yeah, and they blamed things like, um, like she had, like, a... A fish tank with like a treasure chest with a skull decoration in it and they said that's she's inviting satan into her home for that reason and uh so it was just it was a very bad experience for her there and oh she had like a doll collection and they picked out one of the dolls and said it looked like a, it was a voodoo doll and she said it was all her fault and then they said that her son was possessed because he was crying he was two years old um and so they left basically left it at that and then uh, shortly after that, Jackie got a visit from social services, and apparently the priest reported her and said that she was on drugs while pregnant. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, but you're inviting in... She was on hallucinogenics, is what they said. But the church at that time, mm-hmm. and still at this time, they're not going to admit that there's spirits, because it goes against everything that they believe in. The spirits cross, they go, they're at the Lord's hands, blah, 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 blah. They don't hang around. You, It... it how many times when you sat down and tried to get a hold of like a priest that would actually sit down and talk about the spirit world in the context that we talk about the spirit world if they stick around and stuff like that they're like no it doesn't happen well the warrens had priests that they work with okay who come to hauntings have we come have we but like and amityville horror had a priest that came and tried to bless the house supposedly but did they but did they downplay it and deny it and push it, like, and give excuses? Like, uh, like that was an excuse? Oh, well, the fish tank had skulls in it. 
or you know she's got two kids or she's pregnant with one and she doesn't have a husband so they're taking all the the sins of evil or however they want to look at it or the message and they're just giving it a reason they're giving it the excuse well i'm sure that if she was married and you know it would probably be a different it probably would reaction. have been a very different reaction well yeah so it, but even so that i mean that's guessing they could it could have been they could have put it to that well it's kind of like hearsay and this happened but yeah you're right but with her being alone and being on her own that way as soon as the church came out of the priest or whoever they just shot it right down okay well this 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 and this and what you go report it to the bishop uh yeah nothing's happening here oh good our secret's intact you know we're not we're not going to open up the uh, the 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 pandora's box so to speak and say yes you have ghosts and you do have negative energies coming in here because they don't ever play that yeah but they're doing over a thousand exorcisms every year right no according to to what they don't want you to know they have an active group that just does exorcisms for the church if you go to your local church around the corner wherever it may be mm-hmm. and you say hey father or padre or monsignor right because it depends on what kind of church right so you, you have to go to the catholic church around the corner from your house right mm-hmm. they're not gonna they're not gonna open up and say oh yeah we believe this 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 and this no. They stick to a, a structured guide. Yeah, they have to bump it up, and there's a whole process that it has to go through. To get an exorcism is hard. It has to be right. approved by the church itself. Exactly. So you have to have evidence. You have to have all these things in place. But we're not talking about an exorcism of the house. We're just talking about priests going and trying to bless it. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm going with the angle that he's just going to downplay it because that's a safe bet. You don't... Because if there is such a code to this and mm-hmm. you have to get to so so many different steps to get involved with an exorcism and have the church step in this is small time stuff but don't you think if a priest walked in and felt that there was a demonic presence there he wouldn't have just been like you're on drugs and calling social services I could totally see them doing that really you think that if they really felt like there was a demonic presence they'd just be like I'm out of here yeah that's <laughs> happened before hasn't it where priests are like alright my hands are off of this well, who, because how many stories you heard were, well, who do I well, go because, to? Because they felt it was Jackie's fault that she brought the demons upon them. So they pretty much just lay blame, they blame on, her. on her. Yeah, 100% on her. Because they don't want to go any other route. They won't. Yeah. They got blinders on. I can't imagine that they wouldn't be like, you need to go to church. You I know there's something. a couple of stories Maybe I brought along the way that where priests weren't a help, they ended up going to shaman and stuff. Someone into another level of understanding of what's going on because, you know, you're supposed to go to your, your churches and pray and, you know, all that stuff. But they weren't, people weren't getting the help that they needed. So where do you go next? What's your next step? Do you, do you step outside of your religion and find someone that, does take that into consideration and it is part of a part of their dialogue I don't know you have shamans come in and bless houses or whatever they do 
that's the, 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 the whatever, whatever they do. Whatever they do. <laughs> Sherlock stuff. I don't. I, yeah, I don't have the uh, manuscript, uh, the script. Or the I can't pop, talk uh, now. I'm doing shaman stuff. I'm doing stuff. <laughs> I go. <laughs> he's busy doing shaman stuff. Um, <laughs> but I could very easily see the priest not wanting to go any further because that would be admittance that there is something evil going on, even though they preach against it. Well, you know, there is, in a sense, there is a devil and there is a he- or heaven and hell or evil and good. Their whole... Well, that's what I mean. I feel like if you're a man of the cloth and your whole mission in life is to, like, protect people from evil and to fight on the side of God and you walk into a place and it's reeking of sulfur and you hear noises and you feel the oppression in the house and you're just like, it's your fault. You got a you got a skull on, on your treasure chest in your fish tank, and they're out of there. That's weird. But again, I wouldn't put anything past past them. Right, because they might not want to get their hands dirty with it. Mm-hmm. That might be a whole. But that's their whole job. Yeah. Okay, so maybe this priest wasn't ex- uh, experienced in it. I mean, I guess anything is possible, but I just find it odd. Yeah, we're also talking, I mean, it could be her. odd. And what were you going to say, Rob? So we're also talking, you know, not modern times. This is like the late 80s. Right. So. Yeah, but this is also like the height of. Everything with that. The Exorcist movie coming out and all these crazy stories happening. I mean, it was like ghost fever. I, I could see the priest just saying, yeah, this, this, and this. I'm not stepping into this. This is... A, I think they're, I, I think they're skeptical at first, just like investigators are, in a sense, because they come in fully guarded with the positive and the light, and so if anything's going to come at this, they're going to be like a scientist at it. No, that you know you didn't. You know, you know what? No, you're single. All that mom. Well, you just call just a that. priest a scientist. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but in every story we hear about priests coming in, isn't that usually something that amps up? All of the uh, activity, too. Yes. Doesn't having somebody who is in that capacity, like, make everything worse, usually? Yes. But how, how in-depth did that priest get? He just came in and said, fish tank, you're single. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. There's nothing going on. But Jesus out. Jesus out. <laughs> <laughs> but... There's things going on that can't be explained, and sometimes you have to go outside of that box. And sometimes people don't want to get their hands dirty that you think would. Well, I just never understand like why these things happen, and then they just mysteriously stop happening. Well, that's that's a big question in this world that we live in. Like why do why do pe- why do certain people get attachments and then all of a sudden like at one point they're just not there anymore? You know what? Well, well, we've written off stories for that. Well, they're open. You know they they put off X amount of energy. All these little things that that's why I mean, we give it reasons why because we don't truly know why. Like you said, why why would they like go after someone who's just living their life? Da, 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 an attack. Versus someone who could be a complete ass, and they're like, you go after that. Or, you know, a happily married couple, and next thing you know, they have, like, all this demonic stuff happening. But why? 
Is it the person? Is it the place? Is it the land? How much do we know about spiritualism in the sense of we actually know about it? Well, I mean, because this case had all the typical, like, haunting in Connecticut. And Absolutely. all the normal stuff that we see, but, like, none of the... Nothing else around it. Could that be why it's so different? I don't know. Could that be why, like, if you take the parapsychologist view, like, like Taff said, you know, I've had three that I can count on my hand that have been, wow, where it's affecting everyone versus his thousands that he's done versus, you know, thousands versus what he's actually seen. Do you think this one was real? Impossible to say. <laughs> and there wow. we have it. <laughs> and we're right down the middle of the road. Thank you, Father Rob. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what, what do you think, Jeff? Do you think it was real? Um, yeah. Really? Not a doubt? No doubts. Wow. Do I believe the story has been convey, conveyed different ways to make it look like there's potholes? But minus um, oozing walls, we've pretty much seen things thrown. We've pretty much felt like we're going to be pushed down a stair. We felt a presence. I mean... I've never been hurt physically by anything ever. And I feel like that in itself makes this shady for me. Because you know how much energy it would take to do the things that supposedly mm -hmm. happened. I mean, that's like, if you if you had that much energy to make those kinds of things happen, and as frequently as they did, it would be like, if you walked in there, it would be like static electricity everywhere. Right, like that spirit just did an eight ball. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> just, you know. All right, we're going to rock would, and roll. You would have to physically feel that everywhere for that much energy, for somebody to be pushed, to be okay. hung, to be. Well, yeah. So she's got a two-year-old. Yeah. She's pregnant. There's a lot of hormones, energy going on there. Her husband's not around. Easy. Things Don't be the start... priest, Jeff. Don't be the priest. Things are <laughs> happening that... Her. Well, hang on. Things are happening with her own energies. Yeah. She could be under stress. Is she working? What? It's such what... crap. Because why is it always that women are the ones that have poltergeist activity happen around them? I know. It's not fair. It's not. It's a very sexist <laughs> point of view. And I feel like it's easy to always say, well, it's the woman's fault. Because, you know, well, they're hormonal. They have this going on. They have in, that going on. Okay. In this case, you could use that. But you could say that about almost every poltergeist case. It could just be her. Like her personality, her whatever. Like I said. Well, if you say it about any, any poltergeist. Yeah, exactly. So this could just fall right into there. I don't believe that it's that women have this insane ability to make things happen that men don't have. So do you believe you can pick the car up under... Um, a stressful moment and I think not think any, about it? I think either sex could do that. Okay. I think when people don't know what to and how to explain it, that's the first thing that pops into their minds as well. She's probably doing it. Because I just feel like that's the easiest explanation. And we've even talked about it. Like, oh, somebody's going through puberty. Oh, somebody's pregnant. Right. Oh, somebody's got this going on. Oh, somebody's got that going on. Well, that's how the poltergeists are coming. Well, if that's the case, every pregnant woman in the world would have poltergeist at her house. We every might have every to dig, teenage girl going through puberty. We might have to dig it, redig into the poltergeist, but take a different angle. I mean, because I feel like that falls that falls through the stereotype story of oh, there's a woman involved. Up, oh, she's using her telekinesis to make things in the house move around. She's tapping into some unknown energy that no one else seems to have. But you know what? Guys are very cut off too. When it comes to, like, emotional energy and stuff. Well, you might be, but they that's a go, generalized statement. 
I'm like whatever. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty, there's plenty of mediums and psychics that are male. So it it could be anything then. Well, I don't. It goes that's back to your saying. question. Why why are they only attaching? Why do they attach to these people? Right. And to even go further with that in that story where the things tapered off for her in the end and it just kind of went away. Why? Well, it didn't target her physically either. It targeted that guy physically, which I think is interesting too, because if you read about any other poltergeist story, it's always like the males getting targeted. So she was in the wrong house at the wrong time. I mean, women don't seem to get the brunt of physical. Those guys invaded whatever it was. But this was happening before they got there. Yeah, but they went right in. To the, his domain, his attic, where she said she never went up there directly. They until said like they, were, the they were in the kitchen. That's when they started hearing the thuds. Yeah, but I'm saying they were the ones that were attacked. They went upstairs in the attic. Did if she ever go in the attic? No. Even the Warren stories. How many times was Lorraine attacked physically? It was never Lorraine. Like, why is that? Maybe they look at who's the bigger threat and, like, the four-foot-tall... Gentle little old lady. It's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. My husband's over there. But you know we'll what I mean? Him. True. I mean, there'd be all these stories about these entities like coming after him, and she'd be so worried about him all the time, and they'd be like physically attacking him and giving him symptoms. And I don't know. Like, it's weird to so me. So, if we just hold this theory for a second, she was living there, and the house was haunted, and it was spiritual activity going on. And then she's like, this is crazy. I'm telling my neighbor. The neighbor calls up and says, hey, we need someone to come in here and investigate. So they come in there and they pretty much terrorize the house, run around with their cameras, try to get everything excited. And next thing you know, this spirit or spirits is reaching out and going after the ones that are Because it never attacked harassing. her neighbors who supposedly witnessed this and never attacked the babysitter. And think about how many stories that you've heard personally about people being attacked by ghosts. How many of them have ever been women? Hmm. I don't know a single time that anything has ever lashed out at a woman. You always hear those stories from men. Oh, it scratched me. Oh, this happened. Oh, that happened. I think this should be our next topic. Women attacked by ghosts. Versus our ghost, our ghost sexist. Our yeah. ghost sexist. There's a good topic. <laughs> There's a good uh, tag for your uh, your next podcast. The women get possessed. The men get attacked. <laughs> Why is this next on Parababble? <laughs> well, it's weird, isn't it? It is, and it goes. It fits. It fits the theme of the paranormal. Why is why? Why is that happening that way versus this way? What makes it more you know susceptible for a woman to get? Abduct, not abducted. Wow, we're going to angels. <laughs> well, I know what people are going like, to say. Well, men are more aggressive. They try to make it happen. They force the issue. They do those kinds of things. But And maybe, maybe that's the reason why. Maybe. You're, you're in my house that I, I live in, but this spirit doesn't know any different. And if this guy kind of has an idea what's going on, it, you know his male presence there. You're going to either back down or you're going to fight it. In a spirit, a spirit looking towards an actual living human. I feel like we should reach out to Kesha for this one. Yeah. That's funny because Kesha was in my other research for the other episode that we're going to do later. But I feel like, you know, this is a really interesting thing that I think we need to explore more. Because Definitely. if you really think about it, if you and I walked into the same location and I opened myself up for communication and like really focused in on that and you tried provoking, like Where would which it go? one would have more success in that? 
but we're taught not to provoke. And what if we flip the script? What if you sat there and meditated and opened as much as you could, and I provoked? Let's do it. I'd be, what like, really pissed off at you if I got, like, slapped or something. Because <laughs> apparently all the males get scratched. Well, think about it. What have you ever heard stories about, you like, haven't. things happening to women like that? No, that's that's the experiment we need to do. I mean, you hear stories about women seeing ghosts for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, they're in my bed. They're, you know, all these crazy things. But you don't, I don't think you hear about the physical side of things as much as you do from men when they talk about things like that. This went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. It's okay. But well, now I'm thinking the movie The Entity good. where she was getting attacked. Yeah. Duh. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to dive deep a little deeper into this. Hmm. Just for episode ninety nine and point five, um, ninety eight point five. Yeah, because like you said, even though you go on the, off on this little tangent, there's there's still another alley we can go down and see why is this happening and right. what are some of the statistics. Well, because every time I look at these it. kind of hauntings, it's like that's the rabbit hole for me, is that I start to go down and I'm like, well, why does this happen here but not here? And why does this look the same every single time? And is there something behind the fact that, you know, these, all these types of hauntings tend to have these very stereotypical components to them? And is it because it makes a good story or is it because that's really what happens? There's no real reason. I don't know. I mean, I want to believe I want to believe. What are you trying to believe? I want to believe that stuff like this is real and that these experiences are real and that these kinds of things totally happen. So we're back to square one where this is why we do what we do to get the answers we try right. to get. And we still have not come across like why. We've we theorized until we're blue in the face that, well, this is this. If you take spiritualism and put it here, if you take it over here and you provoke something, what's going to happen on the... I mean, we've all gone through these little experiments or, you know... These, we sit there and question all this stuff in our head. And it's so hard when you don't have all of the information. Because, like, did anyone think to ask everybody that lived in that house before her? Like, we heard stories about what happened after, but right. what about before? Right. No one else had anything happen? Like, I just wish there was, like, one isolated case where there was real solid research Where you could it. trace it back. Yes. And... and, like, it was legit as far as, like, interviews and evidence and start to finish Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that's what the paranormal community needs we need like one solid case and i'm sure there's plenty out there that have come close to having all the historical stuff put together but until it's truly documented through the time and you can put it together and then turn around and say oh this is happening because right here this happened here at this in 1835 or whatever and now we move forward. Oh, well, this is here. And you can see the link to where they've gotten to. I mean, we don't, we think we have a lot of history and information on things. But do we have the everyday history? No, we only have events that happen, points in a, right. a house or um, a museum or just something well, and this is a perfect example because we didn't tell each other how to go and do this research. Everybody just went and did their research. Right. We looked at different different things, different modes, different everything, and we came back with three kind of alike stories. Right. But three stories that all had discrepancies. Yep. Which, you know, it's good fodder on the internet too because you got so much out there 
in so many versions of what people said. And I can guarantee you is that when these writers or reporters and they do this stuff, there's plagiarism going on. I mean, look at this, this like tonight. You know, we have three different versions. I'm talking this, you're like, no, no. And I'm like, well, what about, well, yeah, well, no. And then you get a yes in there. It's like, all right, so the story isn't consistent enough. And that goes back to. That could be TV bull crap. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's always but so hard to know. True, true evidence at a place and true historical moments in time from start to begin or start to future would probably help out a lot. And I'm, I'm sure there's cases of people out there have gotten a hold of a building or something and really dug in there. But, you know, the small stuff might not come up. You know, maybe that little small thing altered the course. Right, because I don't care about the haunting at a building that happens that's building related. You know what I mean? I and mean, that stuff is easier to document because you can have a bunch right. of different groups go in. Right. Everybody can gather their evidence and compare their notes. You can look up the history of the building relatively easily. But when these kinds of cases happen where people are being haunted to the point where they're so scared they can't live in their house, like bad things are happening, like where is the logic to that situation? Like how does somebody... How do you not do as much research as you possibly can? How do you not have good, solid notes and recordings and tapes? Like, you know? Well, like I've, I've said in another podcast, um, I have, I have um, diaries from 1930 to 1986 when the owner died. The couple died. They lived there. They were the first couple. Every day was documented every single day but there are questions that i still have when i look at the house and say hey we're on this like good example on the second floor we have you come up to the landing there's a step up and then you go to my daughter's room and ours is to the right well there's a step up there also there's a door that's in like on that wall but if you go in our bedroom and open up the other door it leads into a closet why is that door on this side why is there two doors into one little closet? Questions like that, and I'm, I'm just using that as an example where history might be missing things, you know, take it with the paranormal. Why is it that way? They never wrote about that in their diaries. Um, oh, we added a back porch. Okay, makes sense. I got that. I can see what's going on there. But there are everyday history points that you might miss, and it's inconsistent. So that little point that you might have missed might have been something big that never got... Well, I mean, there was just so many people involved in this case that you would have thought that somebody would have, like, seriously did some work to make sure that all of the information could be preserved. And if it's out there, which it might be, maybe somebody's got all that. It's never been published. It's never (coughs) been in a book. It's never gone anywhere that you could definitively Mm -hmm. sit down and say this is what is going on. Probably. I think so. Some it just never got to movie status. No. Like I said, maybe that's what's keeping it kind of under the radar compared to everything else. Well, and even that, even if there is, it's like, well, who wrote it? Yeah. Was it well, somebody yeah. that did research after the fact, or was it somebody that was there when it happened as a firsthand witness? Right, because you can gather all the stories, papers, and right, we did it tonight. stuff, and put all it together. So if we sat down... <clears throat> 
Rob's saying no. Nope. Well, I mean, there's like a haunted San Pedro book. Like, you know, they have like I didn't right, see haunted a book books. just about this. But no, not not specifically for this case that I could see. And not, she not really wanted to be I know we're running short on time. We're in overtime. We're working overtime. Mm-hmm. If she really wanted to make a couple bucks. Would have been easy. Would have been easy. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we bring it back down to a little more of a level plane. She's like, okay, I don't want to be involved with this. But but on the other side, if you wanted a sensationalism with it, she could have wrote the book. She could have. She did an hour and a half long documentary. Which might, you know, that might be even better. But that was back in the 90s, especially, it's, it's kind of strange. There was nothing really in the boom of the ghost things, like in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah, and Zach, Zach hasn't tried to buy that house. Mm-mm. And destroy it after the documentary. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, see, we wrapped it up. That was mm-hmm. a good. That was a good. There's always yeah. Zach dig. We could finish the episode now. All right, Aaron. <laughs> You're going in the attic. So I guess the main thing that I'm going to take away from this is that if there are any paranormal investigators out there that ever get involved in a case where they think it's a legit haunting, take good notes. And absolutely. Lots of them. Absolutely. And don't lose them on a ship. Get, and get recordings. Record everything. Yep. Even if you don't think it's something. Don't leave a notebook on a ship. Loose lip sync ships. Like I did. All those notes I took for uh, the library we were working in, and I, it fell out. I, I took it out of my bag to grab other equipment, and it was too late. I realized after where it went, and I had, like, detailed notes. Someone have read that thing would probably thought we were crazy. But. Yeah, well. Rightfully so. Well, rightfully so. But yeah, it's you're right. Take good notes and really just take the time because that's when it comes down to doing your homework. So, well, no, I thought that's pretty good. Parable. What do you guys think? Yeah. All right. Yeah, pretty solid. I hear the chip of copper coming. They're all over the place. Yeah. All right. We are out of here.